tonight. We're going to also go to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, later in the message, you might want to go ahead and mark that. Uh, but we'll start tonight in Genesis chapter 12. At the end of the service uh, tonight, we're going to have all of our teenagers to come up front and their parents gather around them and uh, for a time of prayer tonight uh, before we dismiss. Uh, this evening, we're going to deal with the subject of an obedient faith as we come together. Let's all stand, if you would. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, uh, begin tonight in verse number, uh, verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Father, tonight as we gather together, we thank you for this Lord's day. Father, this is a day that... Uh, Lord, that has been set aside in our nation to honor our fathers. But Lord, we come together tonight to honor you, our Heavenly Father. And as we gather together, I pray that you'll bless the study and the preaching of your word uh, one more time. We thank you, Father, for the good service this morning. And we look forward to what you have for us tonight. As we look at Abraham's obedient faith. We pray that it encourage us, Lord, to follow in his footsteps and have a faith, Lord, that honors you. Bless us tonight, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> the Bible says in Titus chapter 2 in verse number 15, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. It is only by God's unmerited favor that anyone has the privilege to experience the forgiveness of sins as well as eternal salvation. And it's a salvation that is offered unto all men. And that's important there. It's offered unto all men. But there is a requirement to receive it, and that is you simply must believe. In writing to the Corinthian church, Paul defined and declared what he referred to as the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15 in verses 1 through 4, Paul writes, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have Received and wherein ye stand, by which ye also are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to to the scriptures. <clears throat> he also wrote in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, which bringeth salvation. It is in the the gospel that the good news of salvation can be received. It's in the gospel that anyone who chooses to believe it can be saved. It's also in the gospel that everyone who does believe can have the assurance to stand. I want you to turn your Bible with me to the book of Ephesians chapter number 2 in verse number 8. And there we find that the Bible defines the act of believing as faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace are you saved through... (coughs) Excuse me. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So it's through faith that the wonderful gift of salvation that is offered unto all men and is delivered, the death, the burial, and resurrection, our, our source of salvation, it is offered to us through faith. It is through faith that the wonderful gift of salvation becomes ours. Now, throughout the Bible, we see applications of faith. Faith describes our dependence upon God. It is a simple faith that that trusts He alone is able. Was able to help Sullivan this week. We, We often get confused about our salvation because we complicate the matter. We, we wonder, did I, did I pray a prayer just right? Did I do all of the steps just right? We complicate all of that. Salvation is simple. It is putting a belief and a trust that Jesus Christ is enough. Amen, amen, I'll amen myself, okay? Salvation is believing that Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary and the power of God that delivered him from the grave is enough. Salvation in Christ, we find that he is always able. We find examples of this faith in scriptures such as Matthew chapter 8 verses 2 and 3. There we find the leper who comes to Jesus and he says, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. It's a very simple faith. He's just saying, I believe that if you're willing, you can take care of my leprosy, you can take care of my need, and you can heal me. And Jesus said, I will be thou clean. Scriptures such as Matthew chapter 8 and verses 5 through 13, where the centurion servant required healing and he sent word unto Jesus and Jesus begins to make his way to the centurion's house and the centurion said listen there's I don't want you to come to my house I'm not worthy for you to come to my house I just believe that if you will speak the word my servant will be healed and Jesus marveled at this man's faith and as he went back to his home he found that at that very hour his servant was healed. Scriptures like Mark chapter 9, 14 through 27, when a father was interceding for his crazed son, Jesus was nowhere to be found at the time, so he went to his disciples, and he sought them to heal 
his, the, his possessed son. And Jesus comes along and he discovers what is taking place. And Jesus asked, how long has he been tormented? And the, and the father said, uh, he gave the time. And uh, Jesus just said, if thou believest, all things are possible to him that believe. And the father said, if thou can have compassion on us, if thou canst help us, have compassion on us. And Jesus delivered his son. Individuals such as blind Bartimaeus who received their sight. Individuals like Jairus who came to Jesus in Luke chapter 8 verses 41 and 42 pleading for his sick daughter. And the woman with the issue of blood who just believed that if she could only touch the hem of his garment, everything would be okay. Our salvation, listen, our salvation becomes real. It becomes something worth of substance, something believing. When we come to Jesus Christ and we say, Jesus, you are enough. And I put all of my faith in you. When we put our trust in what Christ did for us at Calvary, and that Calvary was enough to wash away all our sins, then we can be saved. Is anyone out there tonight? All right? Well, I had some good hamburgers and hot dogs today. And some blueberry cobbler. That was some good stuff. But I'm excited to be at church tonight, all right? And I want us to have a good time as we gather together. I believe God's got something tonight that'll help us. What we need in our daily life is simple faith. We just got to trust God to get us through today. We got to trust the Lord to meet the needs that are present in this hour. And no, they may not be written in Scripture for everyone to read about and be encouraged, but we can be encouraged by what God chooses to do in our life today. We are saved through faith. But as you're there in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul also wrote in verse number 10, introducing us to another level of our faith that concerns our life after salvation. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, God has a plan for your life and my life that requires us to live by faith. All right? He's got, he's, got a, he's, got, he's got a will for us. He's got a plan for our life. We're created unto good works. We are His workmanship. And there are things that He desires for us to do in our daily life that will honor Him and will increase our faith and help us and encourage others. Thus, faith becomes the vehicle that gets us through life. So turn your Bible to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. And in here in Hebrews chapter 11, of course, we have the testament of the elders and others who have gone before us, and the testimony of their faith. It is usually one verse that can summarize their life. And in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse number Eight. There is a word in our text 
that I want you to circle because it helps us to understand what living by faith means. Read with me. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, what's the next word say? Obeyed. God called in Genesis chapter 12. Says, I want you to go to another land, another country. <clears throat> I don't know what went through Abraham's mind at that time. I know that when God asks or commands or leads me to do something in my Christian life, it is often met with questions on my part. Lord, are you sure about this? Why? Why, why me? Why do you want me to do that? Why, why go there? Or where am I going? There are questions that I would like to seek answered. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is this. Will we obey? It's the only thing that matters. The Lord led Abraham called him to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. And Abraham obeyed. Again, faith describes our dependence upon God, but it's our obedience to what God requires of us that puts our faith into action. So while Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, it was also the elders' obedient faith that obtained them a good report in verse number 2. You see it there. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. In verse number 4, we see, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch had the testimony that he pleased God. Verse 7, by faith Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Verse 8, by faith Abraham went out not knowing where, not knowing where he went. Verse 9, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise. Each of these lives live had a different purpose. God had a different work for each of them to do and without knowing all of the answers their entire lives are summed up by the fact that they did exactly what God instructed them to do by faith. So let me highlight some things quickly for you tonight concerning an obedient faith. And the first one is an obedient faith moves. When God called Abraham, what did he do? He went. What greater testimony than a per, can a person have than that right there? God called and he obeyed. God led and he followed. God directed and he went. Now, we understand that there are some things about that. And we're going to be realistic about it. Okay, There are some complications that come with obedience. First of all, in verse number 8, it required an intense faith because the Bible says that he went out not knowing whither he went. 
And if you came to me for counsel and you said to me, God is calling me to go somewhere else, and the first thing I would ask, first thing I'd ask you, Jeremy, is, well, where do you think God is leading you? And if you said to me, I don't know, he just wants me to go, I would, I would think it would be wise to say, why don't you just stay put where you're at right now and see where, this, where you're going, all right? And I would think that would be wise counsel. But if someone were to give Abraham that counsel, Gil, it would have been unwise. God just says to go. And the question is whether or not he would follow. I want you to understand that in order for Abraham to make such a decision, he had to be absolutely, without a doubt, certain this is what God wanted him to do. And even then, it's not that simple. Sometimes attempts to live by faith seems absolutely foolish. I'll give you some examples. Mark Batterson in his book, in chapter 10 of his book, All In, wrote these words. Faith is the willingness to look foolish. Noah looked foolish building an ark in the desert. Sarah looked foolish buying maternity clothes at the age of 90. Moses looked foolish asking Pharaoh to let his slaves go. The Israelite army looked foolish marching around Jericho blowing trumpets. David looked foolish attacking Goliath with a slingshot. The wise men looked foolish following a star to Timbuktu. Peter looked foolish stepping out of the boat in the middle of the lake in the middle of the night. And Jesus looked foolhardy hanging half naked on the cross. But the results speak for themselves, don't they? Noah stayed afloat during the flood. Sarah gave birth to Isaac. Moses delivered Israel out of Egypt. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. David defeated Goliath. The wise men found the Messiah. Peter walked on water and Jesus rose from the dead. So if you aren't willing to look foolish, then you are foolish. And that's why so many people have never built an ark, killed a giant, or walked on water. Sometimes following the Lord requires an intense faith. We don't know the answers. We don't have any idea what's going to happen when we follow. But sometimes it takes, it's a willingness to look foolish that we see God do his greatest work. It also required a, an emotional disconnect. Back in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. For some, that might not be difficult, but for someone who is close to and loves their family, that's a complication. Uh, because there are emotions that get involved. You're asking me to leave my home. You're asking me to leave my, uh, everything that I know, where I was raised, the people that I know and that I'm aware of, my family. You're asking me, Lord, to leave all of that to follow you to a place where I don't even know exists. That's what God was asking him. And that can be challenging. Adoniram Judson was the very well-known and famed missionary sent from America. But before he became a great missionary, he graduated from college and seminary and he received a call from a very well-to-do church in the area of Boston, to become its assistant pastor. 
And everyone congratulated him. It's a great opportunity. It's a great job. You can go and you can serve and you can minister there. His mother and sister rejoiced because that meant Adoniram didn't have to leave home. And yet he could still do his life work there in his hometown. But Judson shook his head. And he told his family, he says, my work is not here. God is, God is calling me beyond the seas. To stay here even to serve God and his ministry, I feel, would only be partial obedience. And I could not be happy in that. And although it cost him a great struggle, he left mother and sister to follow the heavenly call. And the numbers are up around 50,000 converts who were, were the result of his influence in that portion of the world. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 and 38. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Now, not only do we see the complications of obedience, but we also see the comfort of obedience. Because he says this, the Lord says, I want you to leave your family. But he also says these words, and I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Now, Sometimes the only comfort we have, Cecil, is that God promises to be with us. All right? You know, when he was leaving, when he was departing, he, he was preparing his disciples and he said these words in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled, right? Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And he goes on and he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll do what? I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Okay? So what Jesus is really comforting them. He's saying, I'm going to leave, but I still got you in my mind. I'm still going to be there. And I promise I will come back to receive you unto myself. The great encouragement to me, and I remind myself, and I quote it every single day in my prayer time. Lord, you told Joshua, you commanded him to be strong and of a good courage. And you commanded him to not be afraid, nor be dismayed, to not be discouraged. Okay? There are many things that happen. I got a phone call this week. The church office got a phone call this week again. Some nut calling us saying he's going to sue us. I get those phone calls. Don't I get those phone calls, Miss Abby? I get those phone calls. Somebody calls and says, I'm going to sue you because you're telling me I'm going to go to hell if I don't trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. I, I, get, I get emails from people in the community that don't like what we're doing around here. All right? I get those things, and they come, and sometimes, sometimes you get people, and, and they, they just want to discourage you, all right? They just, want to, they just want to bring you down a little bit. 
But God said, God said, Brother David, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. And he says this words. He says, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Amen? So whatever it is I got to face today, in my prayer time, I say, Lord, whatever it is that I'm about to face today, and I know I'm going to face something, I go with the assurance and the promise that you are with me. Amen? That'll help you. God is with you. Now, the last thing I want to do is do something, Gil, that gets me out of the will of God. Right? It's important that I stay right with God. But it's to go forward and to stand firm on the faith and to trust the Lord. You see the promise of his presence. You know, Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Don't you wish that, that Jesus just said, you'll never have tribulation? I mean, really, Jesus, if you want me to have peace, just keep tribulation out of my life, right? But he says, you will have some tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. In the Great Commission, when he sends us out, he says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So there's no, there's no door that I knock on, there's no uh, person that I hand a gospel track that I am going by myself. God says, I'm going with you. All right? So, an obedient faith. I want you to see with me in verse number 9, Hebrews 11. An obedient faith waits. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles. Now, no doubt, one of the most difficult Christian disciplines is patience. Amen? It's difficult to, uh, to exercise patience. He says, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles. Waiting on God is the acid test of our true motives because of the tendency of how we think. We agree to follow God because he has promised to give us an inheritance. But as we go, we also have these certain expectations of when we get there. I mean, Dylan, you're going to PCC. Wouldn't it be much easier if your bill is already paid for? Wouldn't you, amen, right? Wouldn't you be praising God? God, I'm going to follow you. And I expect my bill to be paid for by the time I set foot on campus. God just doesn't work that way all the time, you know? I, I, I mean, I'm just being truthful here. Lord, I'm following you. So why don't I have a house? Why am I living in the prophet chamber for the first five months that we're here in this ministry? You know, Lord, I'm serving you. How come my dishwasher broke down? And you got to wash seven, low, you know, you imagine seven people in the dishes that we go through. All right? I didn't wash them, by the way. <clears throat> Oh, God, I'm following you. Why does this, I, I mean, I expect the bank account to have money in it. I expect that our, our children are going to be healthy. 
I expect that because I am obeying God that all of the needs are going to be met and everything is going to be taken care of. But sometimes that's not how God works. All right? By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles, living in tents as he made the journey. Abraham was exactly where God wanted him to be, yet he moved from place to place with a tent for a home. I told you earlier of this, uh, of the thousands of converts that resulted from Adoniram Judson's obedient faith. But the truth is, he didn't have one single convert his first six years. I'm going to tell you something. If anybody started a church and nobody came to your church in the first six years, everybody would be telling you to close up shop. Everybody would be telling you that. But one day he was lying in a jail cell with 32 pounds of chains on his ankles, which were tied to a bamboo pole. And a prisoner asked him, Dr. Judson, what about the prospect of the conversion of the heathen? And Judson replied, the prospects are just as bright as the promises of God. At some point, if we just be faithful, we'll see God's hand at work. Abraham saw that. Adoniram Judson saw that. Robert and Mary Moffat labored faithfully in what is now known as Botswana for 10 years before their first convert. God gives us the command, and the only thing that matters is will we obey? Verse 10, Hebrews 11, my final point. Obedient faith seeks. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. The important thing is not what we live in, but what we look for. Dr. George Morrison, the great Scottish preacher, said, Generally, generally speaking, we, we seek what our heart desires. If you want friends, you seek to be friendly. If you want money, you seek ways to earn it. If you want reconciliation, you seek to make things right. But God caused Abraham to go to a place he had never been. And obediently at the age of 75, he and Sarah load up their stuff and they head off. They're joined by Abraham's nephew Lot. And after some time together... There comes a time that Abraham and Lot have to split up and Lot is given the opportunity to choose first where he would like to live. And Abraham said, if thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere. His choice was based on an opportunity that presented a greater potential for success and wealth because that was what Lot was seeking. Abraham didn't care anything about that. He was seeking the future. He was seeking the glory of God. And it is he who finds his way into Hebrews chapter 11 rather than Lot. 
I believe many times we become discouraged simply because we're seeking the wrong things. We want the peace of God, but we want it on our terms. As is often said, we want the crown, but we refuse the cross. Christ put it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So in closing tonight, an obedient faith moves. And I ask you a question. Have you established a pattern of obedience in your faith? When God speaks to your heart when reading your Bible, how do you respond? When the preaching brings conviction, how do you react? When the Holy Spirit urges you to present the gospel, what do you do? What will it be said? I'm picking on you because you're right there, sitting in Don's seat tonight. If God could pin down your life, I spoke to him, what would he say? He obeyed, he procrastinated, he rejected, he moved on. What would God say? Obedient faith waits. What is our motive for serving God? Is it determined by God meeting our expectations? I think that's a lot of times the mistake that we make. God, I'm willing if you'll do this. We cannot be determined for God to meet our expectations. We need to be determined to meet His. And are you willing to finish your course... Or are you looking for an excuse to bail out? Obedient faith moves. Obedient faith waits. And lastly, an obedient faith seeks. What is most important to you? What are you seeking for? Is it the glory of God or is it the glory of self? Do you wish that people notice you or do you wish that they notice your Savior working in you? Obedient faith seeks. Let's bow our heads tonight. Let's have the pianist come and play.